is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode. That's right, of the London is Blue podcast, your hopefully favorite Chelsea podcast. Dan, one of your hosts here. No Nick, no Brandon. Actually, no Dan on this episode. We've handed the reins over to the Drip Lord and producer himself, Jake, member of the LIBP Academy, to take the reins with good friends Ollie Glanville and Sam, also known as CFC Central, to talk about the signing of Raheem Sterling. Raheem Sterling coming to Chelsea. We, the three amigos, are hard at work on making sure that the live shows coming up in Las Vegas, Charlotte, and and Orlando are going to be an absolute treat for our wonderful listeners who are going to be joining us in all three cities across Chelsea Summer Tour because Chelsea are in America. They have landed. The plane has landed in L.A., and we plan to link up with the team, with the supporters, and everyone else coming up this Thursday, this coming Thursday, and we can't wait to see everybody. So without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to the boys in the Department of Playful Banter and Enhanced Analytics to talk about Raheem Sterling coming to Chelsea, and we will see you next episode. Welcome back, uh, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Not Nick, not Dan, not Just Married Brandon. It's Editor Jake in charge. Don't know who thought this was a good idea. Honestly, kind of foolish, if you ask me. Not, not I don't know, power has been thrown out the window today. But... I'm here with some incredible, powerful forces in the London is Blue Sphere, especially on some some meteoric rise, I would say, making some more and more pod appearances lately. I have the incredible Ollie Glanville and the incredible CFC Central, a.k.a. Sam, joining me to talk about a personal favorite of mine. Um, look, we'll get into it, but Raheem Sterling joining Chelsea. How are you guys feeling? What do you guys think? Yeah, man, that's a good day. He's, uh, you know, West London boy coming back to London. Um, and yeah, I'm, I, first signing of the Bowley era. It's a, it's a great way to get off, you know, get off the blocks. Um, signing someone from your rivals. And, you know, he's reaching the peak of his career now. And he wants to win things. He's coming here hungry and he's not going to slow down anytime soon. So, yeah, I think it's a nice marker to lay down because it's only just the start. Yeah, I could not agree more. I think we're getting a spirited individual for sure. Sam, what do you think about this? Definitely. I think when we were talking about a marquee signing, I would consider him in the category for sure. I think somebody who's PL proven, has the credentials, excellent leader, brings so much to the squad, to be honest. And I think it's just the perfect profile that we were looking for. There were so many names out there, so many promising youngsters and that we keep on looking at every season, you know, the shiniest toy in the box syndrome that I that I keep talking about every season. But buying this experience for, I mean, the financials that have been mentioned, I think it's it's a great signing in all respects. So really, really excited to see how he gets on. Yeah, I, I alluded to it, but I could not share excitement more than I do. Um, Raheem has always kind of been a favorite player for me. I don't know why, even when he was at Liverpool as a kid something about just like the fact that he was so young and also kind of already a prominent figure was something I admired growing up pretty young myself as a Prem fan. So I'm kind of excited. Uh, I can't lie. It's I've been talking him up in the Discord because everyone's getting a little feisty about it. But I mean, like you said, it's, it's somebody who's in their prime has, I mean, couldn't be more Premier League proven, honestly. I, I don't think you can point to many other people who have played since they were 17 i believe in the prem uh pretty consistently as well um so and at 28 for 50 mil it's 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 really exciting stuff man i i, I 
can't see how anybody couldn't be incredibly excited about this signing. But yeah, and, and we're, we're hearing a little bit about where he's going to play on top of all this. We're hearing a, a little left winging position. What do you guys think about that? Uh, Ollie, what do you think? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I actually think he could probably play all across the front. And, you know, we, we have a, an issue probably mostly in the moment down the middle. Um, and he has he has played there a couple of times with with City, or more than a couple of times, um, and you know showcased his skills there as a finisher. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see how we play him. To be honest, um, you know the, the talk is that Tuchel's spoken to him, and, and it's mainly a, a left sided role that he's looking at. But we know under Tuchel that the front three is very fluid when it's at its best, and often when we try and put a kind of more stationary unit there, things break down. Um, so someone like Raheem, who can play all three of those roles, whether that's in a 4-3-3 or in our current mode, um, it'll be really interesting to see how he plays. You're talking about someone who, you know, has has real kind of star credentials already. He's plug and play wherever you put him in that front three. And honestly... I think just because, as you were saying, he's just always been there. It's always like people just find it kind of boring that he has <laughs> the sort of level of quality that he does. Um, so he has this kind of this meme potential with, with the misses he has. But the reality is that his kind of NPXG or, you know, non-penalty expected goals are like massive, like soaring through the roof because he is always in those positions. You don't miss those sort of chances unless you're in those sort of those sort of areas very, very often. Yeah. I mean, we have some insane stats in our script here today too. Like I think you just hit it so spot on by saying that it's boring to a lot of people to see him do well because it's just the standard. He's been around for 10 plus years doing it. It's like not exciting anymore, but I mean, some of these stats opted Joe tweeting, um, top five players for combined goals and assists under Pep Guardiola for top flight teams. He's only second to Messi. Raheem Sterling, second to Messi. I mean, we're talking about arguably the greatest player of all time. Don't don't come at us. But second to Messi, De Bruyne under him, goals and assists. That's that's an insane statistic to even think about because De Bruyne is always kind of toted as his his golden boy at City. But right there, I mean. 120 goals, 66 assists, kind of ridiculous to look at. Um, and then also another great stat from Opta Analyst that he is only behind four players in Premier League goal involvements at his age, um, which are Wayne Rooney, Thierry Henry, Harry Kane, and Alan Shearer. And if you ask me, Sam, that's pretty incredible company to have when you're talking about a goal scoring threat in the Prem. Yeah, I mean, when Ollie was mentioning about just the sheer longevity, I was, I couldn't help thinking about the dialogue from The Dark Knight. You know, you either die a hero <laughs> or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I think it's exactly that. He's just been so consistent over the years. So obviously, you know, the, the meme potential has been increasing through the years, but people don't look at the numbers. You know, he's been generating some incredible numbers over the past five years. I mean, double digits every single season for the past five years. Great big chances created, lots of assists. And like you said, I mean, being next to Messi in, in hallowed company, I think just speaks volumes about the kind of consistency that he's put in. I mean, even the last two seasons where his numbers have been declining in terms of playing minutes, 
he's just kept up you know he's he's not let down he's as hungry as ever and i think that benefits us more than ever because we are getting a hungry raheem sterling we're getting somebody who's who wants to be the focal point who wants to be you know the the number one player in the dressing room somebody who leads by example somebody who wants to be banked upon so in in that sense i think it's great to have a player who loves responsibility and i genuinely think an underrated aspect is he is a big game player you know he turns up when the occasion is big he tends to perform really well so having that kind of a profile other than his playing style just in terms of somebody who's mentally resilient somebody who delivers when it matters the most i think i think it's excellent and only stands to benefit us in the long run yeah i i, I mean it's it really is stunning the more stats you see i mean 27 uh of his 85 premier league goals since 2016 when pep guardiola took over came inside the six yard box and that is five more than any player in the prem and when you look at our team i think that that is kind of almost a dream to hear uh i know when we got lukaku it was this big thing like oh he's gonna boss the box he's gonna beat everybody up put away the goals we're finally gonna have a poacher and the irony is that this player who is seen as a small winger may come in and do just that at a level that we haven't seen in a long time and that's to me incredibly exciting um and, and another stat on top of what Ollie was saying about his X, XPG, his expected goals without penalties. Um, I mean, he's edging Raheem, or he's edging Sadio Mane, sorry. And he's also the highest per shot in the big six leagues in Europe, only behind Jeremy Pino, who personally, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure if you guys are aware of him. I'm sure... You two are. You're both very intelligent. Have everybody on the mind, but I don't even know who that is. So I'm very impressed. Um, yeah, take some time. Look at all these stats. They're they're ridiculous. And we're getting a player who's hungry. I think, like Sam said, he his minutes have started to fall back down. He's kind of looking for something new, and that's so exciting for a player who has all of this credential. You know. All right. I think we're going to take a quick ad break a little early here, but we have some great stuff to get into after. So we're going to get it out of the way and we'll be right back. All right. Our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because, well, it's hard to get a lot of micronutrients in. You know, we're all focused on our macros with protein, carbs and and fat. And now we got to add the micronutrients from fruits and vegetables. It's just hard to eat that many servings a day. So uh, I started doing it just to make my life a lot more efficient. I'm getting better gut health and a more... Uh, durable resistant immune system. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of the things. Again, I do it. It's easy. It's fast. It's quick. Uh, I throw up my shaker usually on my way home from work, drink it, it, it goes down quickly. Uh, and like I said, you get six servings of vegetables a day very easily. Uh, but hey, don't listen to me. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes and is trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills, supplements to look out for your gut health. 
to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to say, give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right. So here's the thing. Every signing has a winner and a loser, right? So that's what they say, at least. Who do you guys think won this? Who do you guys think lost? Are we are we winning this deal? Uh, personally, I, I can't see any other way. I don't think we're losing this deal. Um, but I would love to hear what y'all think. Ollie, what do you think about that? I think the big winner here is Tuchel, right? I mean, Tuchel's the driving force behind this deal. This is this is a sort of player who we probably wouldn't look at ordinarily. Um, kind of a small mobile forward. We tend to go for just, uh, you know, a nine that really doesn't fit Tuchel's style. And he's handpicked this forward now, and it's up to him to make it work. I also think it's a win for Sterling because he gets to stay at the top level, at an elite club, a club that wins things. You know, we've still got that gold badge on our shirt next season. That's not going to change until uh, that competition <laughs> comes back. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's a win-win, really. Um, it reminds me a bit of the um, Fabregas deal from Barcelona, I've been saying to many people, um, in that the only real reason that he needed to leave Barcelona was his lack of play, playing time. You know, he was winning trophies, he's playing with his best mate in Lionel Messi, um, and, you know, enjoying his football week after week. But he wasn't getting enough game time. And as footballers, you know, <laughs> we tend to think, you know, they're, they're in it for the money. But a, a lot of them are in it just to, for the joy of the game. And I think Sterling is one of those people who obviously knows his value, but he wants to play minutes. He wants to be a crucial part of a team that wins things. And, you know, we talked about um, how much he's a, he's a clutch player and, you know, he wants to be at the centre of winning things. And, it you know, it's no more obvious than on the last game of the season when they're 2-0 down to, to Villa and uh, Pep Guardiola calls him over and, and, you know, he comes on and he sets up their first goal for Aki and I believe he sets up the winner um, for them to win the actual league. You know, and, and you can't ask for like a more clutch moment than that. You know, I need you to come on and win us the game uh, when we're one down and then two down. And, you know, he comes on and does it. Um, and we, we go back to, you know, the fact that pe people probably think that because he's been around so long, it's quite boring. But he does this year after year after year. There was a, there was a run, I believe, three years ago where he scored like seven seven winning goals in the like after the 90th minute mm. uh in in almost in a row for for man city in in a time when they were deeply underperforming and he was essentially a crutch for them um but you know roll through three years later and they obviously have other players now that they're they're over relying on but he is still needed in these moments so i think you're signing someone who just needs to be there and you know, thrives when he is, when the hammer's dropping, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think the shout for Fabregas similarities is so real because it really is genuinely a player who has done everything that 
you know, a lot of players strive to do. And you can see that he's frustrated with the lack of playing time. Like that is what's most important to him. You know, he's not somebody who's going to come and, and be mad if, if there's drama, I feel like. I think he really is somebody who cares about playing more than anything. And that is so exciting to see at our club, I feel like, with, you know, he who shall not be named drama as of recent years. Um, it'll just be exciting to have somebody who is proven, can do whatever they want, and just wants to play. I'm very excited for that factor, especially. Um, Sam, what do you think, though? Any any particular winners and losers? Do you agree with Ollie that Tuchel is really the biggest winner here, along with Raheem himself? No, definitely. I think um, Ollie and I were talking about this even before the podcast, and he was he was absolutely spot on in terms of finding a player who's you know ready made to just plug and play. You can put him in the system anywhere across the front line. I don't think you need to get him accustomed to the league. You don't have to get him accustomed to the players, considering we have a very English core now. Mm-hmm. You know, Mason Mount, we've got two Englishmen on on the fullback positions. We've got Ruben Loftus-Cheek and all these guys inside. So he, I think he slots right in. You know, he's absolutely ready to just go launch himself from, from day one. So definitely, I think Tuchel is the winner in terms of finding the right kind of profile. The journalists and then the reports that have been coming out have just been insisting that you know it's been it's been driven by the manager and it's it's a target that has been number one for him ever since he was available so it is definitely a big coup for us to to get him at that price and to get him at that stage of his career so uh, definitely like i think it's it's a major victory for the club and for Tutu. Mm-hmm. i think in terms of um talking about sterling i think this is a great opportunity for him as well because he's coming into a team where the attackers have had the kind of supply, have had the kind of, I would say, framework to be able to to pull out better numbers. But unfortunately, they haven't been able to. Like, for example, if you look at our wide attackers, if you look at Hakim Ziyech, look at Timo Werner last season, both of them were taking three shots, three and a half shots per game, uh, but still ended up with like single-digit goal numbers. And, and if you're going to produce, if you're going to take those amount of shots, if you're going to create um, if you're going to have those many avenues, then obviously you want to return an investment. So provided you have somebody like a Timo Werner on the left side who gets, say, eight touches in the attacking penalty area, instead of that, if you have Raheem Sterling, who is better in tight spaces, who at Manchester City gets nine touches in the attacking penalty area, just a difference of one. And he takes lesser shots. You know, he takes about... His, his shots per 90 have been dropping for the past three seasons. So I think he was taking about 2.2, 2.3 shots per game. And that's an entire one shot per game over a 38-game season. So when I see that, I'm like, okay, maybe Tuchel to recognize that. Maybe he just wants to see, all right, this is our number one forward. He's going to get the right touches in the box. He's going to get the ball in the right positions. He's going to be able to take more shots than at Manchester City. Can he get to 20 goals a season? And I think that's the challenge coming in, um, into the team. He says he wants to win a Ballon d'Or. I mean, that's, that's that's the background conversation going on. And if he can pull out those kind of numbers with, say, playing 35, 36 games a season, definitely something to be optimistic about. Yeah, I think that Ballon d'Or conversation, while definitely something that a lot of people will see as over the top or ambitious, 
is a genuine conversation when you look at the way that Tuchel has found success with wingers in the past and been able to train some of the greatest young minds in that position. I mean, he's played with Neymar, he's played with Dembele, and he's made these people look so good. So it really is exciting to have one of the generational talents on the wing come in and kind of find this manager. So I couldn't agree more that Tuchel is maybe an underrated part of the conversation when it comes to winning the deal, quote-unquote. All right. Actually, hold on. I do have a fun fact before we move on that he is also the player who has won the most Premier League penalties of all time. Did you guys know that? I thought that was quite an interesting fact that I learned today, um, especially because it kind of gives me hazard vibes. And I, I don't want to like say that he's hazard. They're very different players. But I do kind of sometimes miss having a player who is just a, a threat in the box. Everybody wants to foul him. So that was kind of an exciting stat. I don't know if either of you guys had seen that one yet, but... Interesting to me. I would have never known that in my entire life. And it's not a big number. 20. It's very interesting. Anyways, we'll move on. Um, there is another player who is becoming a bit of a prolific Premier League winger in the conversation for Chelsea, Mr. Rafinha. Uh, it's a bit of a toss-up. It's a bit of an odd situation. I'm sure we've all seen the odd news floating around. I'm sure Ollie can tell us a little bit more about it in just a second, but Let's let's move into a conversation about how critical that signing may be or how critical it may not be now that we officially have put Raheem into the squad. Um, what do you think about it, Ollie, though? What's what's you hearing any latest? I know you get the scoop. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, as as we record um, Barcelona, a briefing that it's very, very close and it, you know, it's 99 percent and it's just it's um... it's just whether or not they're going to go bankrupt. Yeah, it's just <laughs> just minor, minor, minor details, and the player's very happy to join Barcelona. And um, the only holdup is is just a minor agreement on fee um, and the, and the way the fee is going to be paid and things like this. Um, and obviously, that's like the biggest thing in the negotiations. Yeah. So a little important. It's, uh, it's it's always wild when when people say it's one percent or two percent. But you know, the reality is that most Brazilians. Um, love Barcelona. That the Barcelona is is their dream. It's a it's just a thing in Latin America. It's it's a lot in Latin American countries. Um, and the reality is that if he could choose, then he would probably go to Barcelona. If they can't fulfil that fee, then we are a very very able second choice for him, and we supply what he does want to do next season, which is play in the Champions League. Yeah, I think that's really the big kicker is that if. Barcelona can't use that image that they have, you know, that that alluring, oh, I want to play for Barcelona. If they can't use that because of a financial issue, we are the Champions League squad. And he's made it clear that he, you know, has interest in joining the club. If they cannot provide, then I think we are definitely not a losing option, I think is the important thing to stress. I don't think... It's ever going to be like, oh, I have to join Chelsea. You know, a lot of people look at Tuch or look at Lukaku and they say, oh, well, I don't want another situation where he comes in and he hates it. He doesn't want to play here. He wanted to be somewhere else. I never have quite gotten that vibe. Um, I think he's still very open to moving wherever as long as he can chase that Champions League dream, like you said. Um, but Sam, we'll throw it over to you. What do you think about him just as a player? Do you think he suits the squad? Do you think he suits what Tuchel is looking for, especially if we're getting Raheem? How do you think he's going to gel into this team? I think he's an exciting player. And um, in terms of finding 
somebody who can offer the one we one thread that we've been missing for the longest time somebody who can um offer yoga bonito i would say i mean i don't know if i'm pronouncing it right in portuguese or you please feel free to <laughs> correct my pronunciation <laughs> but yeah <laughs> is that is that okay is that right chaka bonito oh perfect <laughs> awesome so yeah. <laughs> so yeah i mean um somebody who's also going to bring a lot of promise i i don't think he's quite the finished product because i see a lot of um a lot of difference between how he plays for leeds and how he plays for brazil obviously mm-hmm. because two completely different squads two different managers playing philosophies but uh, just for context i mean in our squad we've got two players last season and two players or three players this season who've offered more than 40 key passes over the season i mean the only one who's only two people who've been in common is obviously mason mountain and reese james rafinha has offered 65 66 in the past two seasons so he is somebody who brings an underrated level of threat somebody who, i mean obviously in leeds high chaos system he's <laughs> somebody who's able to find those interesting passes somebody who can create something out of nothing so apart from his dribbling apart from his penetrative threat i think he also brings a certain amount of magic with his passing which we have been missing after watching magicians to be honest like eden hazard watching one matter watching fabregas haven't seen that level of passing haven't seen that level of you know ingenious creativity that i would say in the team so in that sense i think there is a lot of scope for him to grow so that profile excites me particularly and and when we did get linked to him jonathan klaus the links just went cold so i feel like you will get a player who's also able to play at right wing back somebody who can offer an extra attacking threat which tukul has been doing since um, since his dortmund days you know he has used pulisic there at right wing back he's used dembele there at right wing back he's used a lot of attacking players in in just order to pack six or seven attackers in his side so gives us extra impetus to break down sides that we found you know really tough going against say of wolves or an everton sitting back with eight players nine players defending so in a lot of respects i think he will add something to our squad but nowhere close to the finished product but it's the potential that is exciting yeah i think that that's an incredibly good point it's it's a bit of a toss up i feel like um and a lot of that for me personally at least comes down to the chaos that is leads i think you could not have picked a better word like who knows what somebody from that lead squad is going to do on a team that is refined and kind of has their playing style set especially after such a chaotic managerial change it's it's such a big question mark of will he keep performing at the same level if he's not as much of a crutch will he struggle to play kind of more in a team system it's it's such a big question mark but i think at the end of the day it is that raw talent that you can see in him that makes it seem like it's almost you know like taking a diamond out of the mine and sticking it onto a a new ring you know he would he would just kind of find the way to play perfectly in that system if you gave him a time um so it's it's exciting it is exciting but it is definitely a question mark i feel like for all of us but we'll move on uh there's one other big question who who else who do we look for Is there another attacker that we need? You know, obviously there's a lot of question marks other places in the squad, but just focusing on the attack right now. Who else joins? Anybody? Broja? What's going on with Broja? 
interesting to me, he's not in our traveling squad. Does that mean he's gone? What do you guys think? Ollie, you got any news on Broja? You heard heard anything about him? Uh, yeah, I mean he's he's earmarked to join join up next week, but that's uh, on condition of the talks going well that he's having on kind of guarantees of what his role is next season and you know uh, things like playtime. Um, you know, is he just going to be a sub? Is he actually going to get serious minutes next season? Even with the five subs, you know, he's coming off the back of a very good half season at Southampton and then like Southampton always do, um, kind of fading off and their over-reliance on him kind of cost him and his body a an end of the season that mm. he kind of justified with the first half. Um, in terms of bringing another attacker in, I think, again, you know, Tuchel is shaping the market this season, uh, this this summer um so if he wants that kind of profile of player which is basically a better suited version of Hakim Ziyech someone who can play at right wing rather than someone who's more of a deeper lying playmaker like a Hakim Ziyech like an eight or a wide right midfielder um someone who's more akin to a right winger in terms of uh, Rafinha you'd be looking at the profile of someone like uh Elise at, at Palace or a Jared Bowen at West Ham and we all know their attitude to mm-hmm. selling players to Chelsea. Um, or perhaps there's a more creative solution. You know, uh, we know that actually Sterling plays well on the right. Um, and we know that Hudson Adoy early impressions this summer that he's coming back, you know, on fire. Um, he's got over his neurological condition um, in his back where he, he was suffering mus- uh, muscle wastage and couldn't keep uh, the muscle in his in his legs. He's now at a, p- at a place where he feels that he's back to kind of peak capacity, um, back to that kind of swagger and and uh, sc- kind of scurrying on the ball that we're so used to at youth level. Mm. Um, and he's getting that acceleration back as well. And from what I've seen in training, you know, he's really kicking on and looking like the player we all know he can be. So that in itself. You know, it's a cliche, but it would be like a new signing. Yeah. Um, so do you think a lot of that decision will be defined by the summer performances? Or do you think this is more of a playground? We'll go have fun in the U.S. How much do you think that this tour will decide who plays this season and what we do in the transfer market? I think it's, pro- it's probably part of a broader broader discussion, but... I think there are lots of chances this this summer, you know, whether that be because of people who are knowingly kind of agitating to move out the door, like Ziesch and his mm. HZ um, international agency that he's just set up after leaving his agent and seemingly pushing to Milan. Um, we know that Timo is, is, is interested in a move as well. You know, there are clearly opportunities for, for younger players to show that and stake a claim that they deserve, you know, serious minutes and serious starting role in this squad. Um, but we also know that Tuchel is pushing for this right winger, whether that's Rafinha or not. And we'll find that out, you know, as we record going from Sunday into Monday morning. Yeah. Sam, what do you think about all this? What do you think the summer tour is going to decide? What do you think, you know, a potential option for another big forward transfer could be who do you think 
Who do you think is the answer? You got anything for us? I'm a little split, to be honest, because I don't think Armando Broya is ready, to be honest. I mean, I've been watching his development, like uh, Oli said, you know, a good half season, but the the second half of the season was just uh, was very difficult to watch. It just looked like he was he was completely I, I isolated, you know, apart from the other part of, of Southampton's midfield and defense. It just looked like he was on an island, you know, he wasn't performing very well and his considerable lack of all-round forward play was sort of exposed because he is great when he plays. If you, for example, superimpose him in a in a Jamie Vardy kind of role for Leicester, I think he'd be excellent. Somebody who's excellent at running behind, only takes 15, 20 touches a game, but those touches are, you know, when, when he's being released by the likes of James Madison and all these attackers in behind the defense. I don't think he has the skill set to play in a possession-based system where he has to break down defenses using his passing or mm-hmm. using his movement. And I haven't seen enough of that to suggest that he's ready. So in an ideal in an ideal scenario, I would say that another loan would be excellent. But if he feels like he does not want to go on loan, if he wants to go, then the best position would be to, to look for a sale, insert a buyback or insert some kind of a clause, a matching clause, and then let him go. And then revisit that in the next couple of years. Because I think he's much, much um, inferior in his development than, say, Tammy Abraham was when he left the club. So I, I don't think that he's he's right there. But like Oli said, you know, there are other interesting options. But I wouldn't really take a guess, you know, a big gamble on those signings at all. I, I would just wait and see. The only issue is if you test out the likes of Callum hudson which Oli made an excellent point, you know, he talks about um, hudson Adoy saying that he couldn't run on his toes because of the Achilles injury. Because an Achilles is basically like a rubber band, you know. And mm-hmm. if you stretch it again and again, at one point it just explodes. And the psychological trauma that it leaves in your head, it's just incredibly difficult, even unconsciously, for your body to put faith in, in doing that, on running on your toes and having that explosive speed that he's had since he was 16, 17 years old. So... Maybe he comes back right now without that psychological burden, without that kind of stress of saying, okay, I, I need to be prepared. I need to be taking risks again. But I think um, that will only be evident at the end of a preseason. So ideally, when I'm looking at it, I would say keep whoever we have. I think Sterling is a good addition. Is it enough? I would say no. Rafinha ideally would be great. But if not, I wouldn't say it's the end of the world. Just take what you have, go through preseason. And if Tuchel feels like, you know, there is something to be made, then I think one more signing could come in. Sterling arguably also plays really well on the right. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's something that um, Manchester City's journals have also been very insistent on, saying that when he plays on the right, he offers a lot. He offers a lot in terms of chance creation. He offers a lot in terms of his wing play. On the left, he's more about cutting in and shooting and getting those goals because he likes doing that. But on the right, he's he's much more creative. So maybe shifting him on the right and figuring out a left wing option, which again is is a big question mark because you see good signings, um, potential signings like say Musa Diaby, but are they ready after one season in the Bundesliga? I don't think so, and not for forty million. I'm not going to pay that. So I would say wait. You know, um, put your faith in in what you have. I think we have a good um, sort of variety of attackers. We've got 
somebody like a Timo, we've got somebody like a Poacher in Pulisic, we've got now Sterling, Kai Havertz. So with five subs, all of them are going to get enough time to prove themselves. So go with it, you know, just trust what you have and, and don't spend on something you're not 100% sure about. Yeah, I, th- I think that that's a great point is that we are becoming a squad with uh, plentiful options. We're starting to see us become a bit of a city squad. We're like, oh, we have, you know, six attackers who on a good day could be world class. It's just about what Tuchel can find in them in training, especially with the rise of Callum coming back into training and looking so convincing. It's it's really what he's going to see in these summer trainings, I think, that will decide what kind of, you know, experiments we see up top. And it is really exciting. Um and I, I, I agree so much on Broyetsu that it, it is really a big question mark of can he perform in a Tuchel squad. Um, I've always compared him to, like you said, Jamie Vardy. And also uh, he has glimpses of Diego to me, Diego Costa. But it's like you said, he's kind of missing some of the factors. Um, while he's so great behind the defense and on the ball and right in front of the net, he can kind of create a chance out of anything it seems there is also the point of can he get there in a squad like ours? Um, it's something we kind of saw Lukaku struggle with. You know, he's not always the fastest behind the defense, I feel like, um, more about his physical, but we also saw him struggle with kind of creating the chance or getting in the right place. So it is a really interesting conversation of whether or not he's ready, especially coming from such different squads. Um, and I think we will see some of it. I think we'll find out a little bit of whether or not he is during the summer. We'll sign, we'll, We'll find out if he makes it on the tour or not. Um, I mean, I was just um, looking at the league table and then how far we finished off the top two. It's just, you know, a 10-15 goal and assist gap to the top two. I think that in order to bridge that gap to to the guys who are at top, who've just made that distinction from, from the rest of the league, you need forwards who are not only going to score, but also going to create for, you know, your front line as well. And Armando Broya, for example, in 42 games, he has two assists. Yeah. It's the same problem with Pulisic as well. You know, I don't see enough creativity from him. It's the same with Kai Havertz. Their assist numbers are terrible. Their, their key pass numbers are really bad. Which, if you are going to assemble a front line and press as well, which they do, you're going to be able to find a way to create in those pressing situations, those counter-pressing situations when you win the ball back. And we haven't seen that enough. So is Broya the answer to get us closer to the top two in, in that situation? And for me, the answer right now is no. Yeah. Which is uh, why I would say that, yeah. I think it's an incredibly poignant um, thing to say, too, that Tammy Abraham was a more complete striker when he left the club. You know, Tammy had already proven that he could perform in the prem. He had already proven that he was good on the ball. He had already proven that he was good in front of the net. So it, it is like if we bring him in, what are we doing differently than what we did with Tammy Abraham? So I, I, I can't help but kind of see the, the potential to not compare to Tammy Abraham there as well. Uh, if he comes in and can't even do what Tammy was doing, then, then are we really moving forward? I'm not sure. So I think that's also an incredible point. Um, but that kind of brings us to the end of this one. It's, it's not the longest pod ever. Sorry we didn't dulge too hard, but I think we kind of covered everything that's important around the Raheem signing. Um, just it's it's an exciting time. It's it's the first signing of the summer. Come on, we got to get a little jazzed. I know everyone's been on their toes waiting for it. it. Took a little while, but 
in such a chaotic summer, I think this is an insanely exciting signing. Uh, I, I think it's fair to say that it could almost be expected to struggle really hard in this transfer market. As much as everyone is so excited about a new ownership with lots of money and go out and make signings and yippee, it, it's it's not easy for them. Uh, they're the new guys on the block. They had a lot of work to do. So to get such a big signing to start it off is, to me, incredibly exciting. I'm sure you guys agree, but it's it's going to be a fun summer for sure, I think, from this point on. Uh, popping open the can, I would say. You guys have any points uh, you want to make before we, we end this one off? Ollie? No, I was going to say, um, people need to realize that uh, as well as buying and selling players, um, Todd and um, Egbali are also setting the base for the future partnerships with every single club they interact with, right? So whether that be Barca, where they go and talk to, you know, the, the top brass there and go to the restaurant <laughs> or, you know, meeting top agents like Georgie Mendes, not every single thing they do is necessarily about now. It's also about, you know, the medium term and long term. So just kind of watch out for red herrings as well this summer. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm sure everyone has seen the video of just having a nice dinner in Barcelona. Got to gotta form those relationships. Sam, you got anything you want to leave off on? I think um, the episode was a perfect homage to, to Raheem Sterling. You know, short, sweet, and quick. So <laughs> hopefully, hopefully something something amazing to look forward to. I think Oli and I both are are equally excited uh, about the signing. Lots of potential, lots of promise. So cannot wait. Hopefully, he's announced by the time we finish the pod. Hopefully, after we finish the pod, so we can rejoice. But uh, yeah, really, really excited about it. I really thought we were going to announce those new kits with them. I was wondering why that was taking so long. I was like, well, there's only one answer. It's got to be Raheem and the new kit, but didn't quite happen. They eked him out right before, I guess. So anyways, very exciting one. I, I think you can hear in our voices. We're a little thrilled for some Raheem Sterling in the Chelsea squad. Uh, England international, one of the most proven in the prime of all time. I'm thrilled. But anyways, that's it for this one. Uh, Chelsea fans, keep the blue flag flying high.